I really see this as an untapped area for us. So in 10 years, I absolutely believe we will be in this space. Things like big data and digital transformation, as well as AI is a critical part. Welcome to the GBS Masterminds podcast, the one and only platform for global business service leaders to share their experiences of building world-class shared service organizations. My name is Sashi Narahari, founder and CEO of iRadius, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm honored to host Gavin Ifield, a global finance and shared services leader with over 20 years of experience in the industry. Some of Gavin's specializations include change management, digital transformation, and process governance, among others. He's currently serving as VP and Head of Global Business Services at ACOM. Gavin, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sashi, for having me. I must admit, this is my first podcast. I'm feeling very excited for the opportunity to participate. You bet. Gavin, maybe you can start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your career journey. Yeah, of course, Sashi. Um, As you rightly said, I've been in the GBS industry for about 20 years. I'm located in Brisbane, Australia. A little secret about Australia, we have about 12,000 beaches, so it's a great place to be based. I'm an accountant by trade, um, also a CPA. Uh, I fell into shared services, and I think many of us did. I started my career as a business analyst and spent 15 years with Lafarge Wholesome. Now, Lafarge is about a 70,000-employee organisation. It's in the building materials industry. As you rightly said, I, I've had a, a tonne of opportunity during that experience with things like m and transformation. I did a number of restructures and divestments. And as a result of that, we covered off a lot of change. And I I think I term this depth of experience, which is, I think, something a little bit different to breadth of experience. I've been really fortunate, actually, with the opportunities presented to me, and none more than, of course, with AECOM. This role was really a, a gift at AECOM. I'm lucky to start with what I, what I see as a blank sheet of paper as I, as I began that GBS journey. I travelled about a million kilometres, and that's part of being based in Brisbane, I guess, is, is a lot of travel. I visited more than 100 cities and I think we've now built a very large and, and arguably a really successful GBS organisation. Outside of this, Sashi, I'm, I'm a family man. I've got a, a wonderful family based here in, in Brisbane. I enjoy guitar. I'm a keen swimmer. And recently I've taken up tennis, but I call myself a hacker in that space. Maybe the Australian Open kicked that off for me recently. All right. You're our first Aussie on the show. And I really enjoyed watching oh, Nadal winning the Australian Open. I'm a big fan of Nadal. So Gavin, now I'm going to ask you some of the most debated dead or alive arguments in the GBS space. Your perspective, given your diverse background and you've traveled to so many countries, would be really unique for us. So I'll start with the first question. The first question is the BPOs themselves. You have experience in both offshoring, captive center development. In the next 10 years, do you think BPOs for outsourcing will be dead or alive? It's a big question, Sashi. I I think if you look back 10 years, there's been a lot of hype around, you know, all sorts of trends and, and people talking about the elimination of some of those, you know, key GBS fundamentals. You know, me personally, I don't think BPOs and outsourcing are any different. They, they really do fill an important gap uh, for many organisations. You know, shared services and the efficiencies um, and the benefits that come from that really uh, enhance things like imperfection in process systems and and value beyond that in things like expert services. So I think BPOs have that expertise. They aren't always core capabilities of an organisation, so BPOs fill that important gap. 
Um, they're fast to market. I think that's a, a really attractive strength of theirs. They also bring tremendous governance and frameworks, which aren't often natural for organisations internally. So I think to answer your question, I think those imperfections will still exist in 10 years. So BPOs will still have a role to play. I think they'll evolve though, as, years, as many organisations do and advances in technology and, 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 of course, adapting to the needs of the individual businesses or industries that they're in as well. You bet. I mean, there is always a process of continuous improvement and then the BPOs definitely bring the speed to value. That brings us to, to the second question about the physical centers, service centers itself. In 10 years, these large centralized service centers, do you think they'll be dead or alive? Especially given the COVID effect of all this talk about hybrid, work from anywhere, satellite offices. I'm just curious your perspective. Of course, it's a decade from now and how you see it. Yeah, I think this is an interesting one. My heart certainly says I hope they will be alive. I think the energy and environment and community and, and things like collaboration will, will be you know, absolutely paramount to the future of those big centre locations. And, and for us, you know, we've used those locations equally to engage leaders across the organisation and stakeholders. They're, they're very impressive. It really exposes them to things like the culture and alternative ideas that come from those, you know, different environments and builds goodwill and relationships with stakeholders with the GBS organisation by having centralised locations. I think it's really what differentiates us. And I've noticed through, you know, things like COVID that we can tend to commoditize our service offerings. So I think these centralised locations decommoditize that because we can, you know, create EVP and slow inflation through having those. COVID, though, and certainly advances in digital, um, really have challenged this phenomenon. I think the pendulum has swung a lot, but I think it will come back and, and be a little bit more balanced. And I think you know, things like flexible working will be much, you know, much bigger questions than, than um, whether or not you have a centralised location or not. Very good perspective. It's interesting. So I think the pendulum already has probably swing, started swinging back a little bit. Even a lot of the companies that announced work from anywhere or work from home have started to reverse course a little bit. I think the key aspect that was underestimated was the focus on work to be done, but not the culture and the collaboration and the relationship. So it's a good perspective. All right, we'll go to number three question. Gavin, one of your key responsibilities at AECOM has been to develop the technology and the digital strategy based on your experience in the next 10 years. Do you think RPA and specifically in the current form, which is mostly the ASIS screen flow automation, do you think that will be dead or alive? I think similar to BPOs, organisations will always have and be at different levels of maturity. GBS leaders naturally want to jump to some of that sexy stuff and certainly RPA is, is that sexy stuff. It's something though that I believe needs to be paired with the right evolution and maturity of the organisation. So I think there will always be organisations, you know, asking things like what does RPA actually stand for? And there's others that are doing really incredibly impressive things like, you know, cognitive advanced technologies and so forth. I think RPA also brings hope and excitement to our employees and their personal development beyond just transactional processing or even expert services to a degree because it's such an advanced, you know, particularly within GBS. It's a tool in the toolbox, though, Sash, and like all of these tools, I think they have a place in the organisation. They shouldn't necessarily be the only tool that we're drawing upon within the organisation. I use the, the iPhone analogy. Actually, I think the first iPhone was released in 2007 or similar to there. And it really doesn't look that much different or function that much differently to the new iPhone, or at least if you ask my mom, it doesn't anyway. But people are doing 
uh, as is screen flow, that, that'll continue on, and people will still be starting that in 10 years while others will be doing some of that crazy stuff. So absolutely, I think RPA will, will be here in 10 years. Interesting. I love the iPhone analogy and the 1 to 13 comparison. Yeah, you could functionally say they're kind of very similar. Of course, specific features have probably become better, but yeah, love the analogy. All right, we'll go to the fourth dead or alive question. This is more around AI and machine learning. There's a lot of hype on this. What are your thoughts on AI, again, specifically for the GBS organization in 10 years from now, dead or alive? Yeah, well, this, one's, this one's still a unicorn for me, but I, I think it'll be more alive than ever. You know, we were personally, we were late to intelligent automation. So I think AI is still a little bit of that, you know, unknown for us and certainly something we'll look at as we mature and go into the future. And um, we've been lucky enough at AECOM, we've brought on some really smart people. And, and with that comes expertise in areas that we want to continue to invest in. And that will create the greatest chance of success for us to, you know, take that next step beyond just traditional intelligent automation. I really see this as an untapped area for us. So in 10 years, I absolutely believe we will be in this space. Things like big data and digital transformation, as well as AI is a critical part, I think, for most organisations. And I, I see some really impressive examples of organisations already doing this. So similar to what I mentioned before about some being at, at different stages of the maturity. And using the iPhone analogy again, you know, I think we're all a little convinced that, that you know, people are doing some really impressive things and, and those iPhones are probably listening to us <laughs> and targeting marketing towards us as a result of that. So I think that's some really impressive examples of, of AI that you know, we would aspire to in the future. Yeah, very spooky, but actually works. So interesting. Fifth question is more around India as a service center location. In 10 years, as you know, there is a consistent wage increases in India and the growing inflation rate. Would India specifically as a top choice for service center be dead or alive or would it change to some other locations? You know, we, we have centers in, in places like India and, and the Philippines and, and even in Romania. And I, when I look at all of those centers, we've gone beyond labor arbitrage in those best cost locations. I think we all outsourced initially for cost, you know, and over a long period of time, we've developed experts and an industry through that demand. And that's, you know, really... It has put pressures on inflation, but I also think we have to decommoditize that industry if we're going to really stabilize inflation. So India, like all best cost locations, will want to preserve their industry. And you can already see um, those industries really continuing to encourage investment and differentiate their locations. But there's a number of other factors, things like time zone and, and talent and cultural assimilation, and service orientation or, or stability of things like economies and, and politics. But but, you know, for us, you know, and we were no different, I think there's also an emotional part of that as to where you, you place your centres. So, I, you know, I, I think India will still be a, a core location for us in 10 years for sure. All right. That brings us to the last dead or alive question. This is about the GBS organisation itself. As you know, it has evolved a lot from centralising the processing to shared services to now GBS. What do you think will happen 10 years from now? I mean, macro level, would it even be dead or would it even be alive? Yeah, definitely alive. Well, I hope it's alive anyway, especially. Um, but I think it'll evolve like we've evolved over the last 20 years. Um, I talked a lot last year about what, what I see as the fourth stage in GBS maturity. And, and, and I term it virtual centric. I think you can call it a number of things, but I term it virtual centric. And I think that'll include a range of different things as we evolve, things like outcome focused strategy and, and experience oriented governance. You know, we've focused a, a lot on KPIs in the past and SLAs and, and service delivery components, but I think outcomes will be more important to GBS in the future. I think things like the gig economy and the pandemic, rapid acceleration in digital, I think that will 
see changes in placement agnostic strategies. Um, we focused for a long time on standardization, but I think customers and technology are becoming more sophisticated and they're demanding personalization. You see that even in some of the devices and other, you know, other things that we use in our daily life. So I think that'll be a, a key trend in GBS. I think, you know, things like cybersecurity and information have to be, you know, at the forefront of GBS organizations in the future, just by nature of where digital transformation is going. I've got a teenage daughter and, and certainly things like ESG and other important trends will change what we do in the future because of that next generation will change perspectives and priorities. And I'm also, you know, a, a keen person like everybody around some of these financial uh, things that are changing. So things like cryptocurrency and so forth. So I think those things will be a, a big influence in the future as well. And you know, I think that'll play a big part. And, and then finally, Sasha, you know, I talked about this thing called interaction wanderlust, and I read it somewhere, so I've, I've, I've stolen it shamelessly, but, you know, we all spend a lot of time interacting with the world on via screens now, and, and we've got multiple devices everywhere. So I think, you know, what role do we play in that virtual environment? And I think it's exciting, but it's also a little bit scary. You know, we can run our whole role now virtually, which is just phenomenal, right? So I think... Like everything, though, in 10 years, some organizations will be still thinking about centralization and others will be leading some of those you know, core components that I've just talked about there. And, and, and so absolutely, GBS will be you know, relevant in 10 years. I also like the name. Some talk about changing the GBS name. I, I like it. I think it's the right name still. Actually, just my yeah. to it. Talking about interaction via screens, we are doing that as we speak. You're in Australia, yeah. daytime. We're in the US. And when we're able to execute this podcast, yeah, amazing. All right. Gavin, you've actually been very nice. You kept all six alive, which is rare, but good. It also brings the unique perspectives. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a big believer in GBS, and maybe that's why I've influenced my, my answers with all being alive but evolved um, with a little caveat at the end. You bet. On a closing note then, what would be your advice to the other GBS leaders? What's most important for them to keep their eyes on for success? When I reflected on this question, Sashi, I, I thought about some of the, the successes we've had and, and what defined those successes within our e-com. And I think one of the biggest ones was we aligned our GBS objectives with the organisations and, and we ensured with the, that we really designed it with them when we built this GBS. So we took an end-to-end -end approach and we focused outwards in the organisations and we focused on value creation uh, and that allowed investment in fundamentals. And that's that outward versus inward. I think sometimes when you're setting up a GBS, you can focus a little bit too much inwards and that value is not being seen by the organisation that, again, you know, potentially kills GBSs. Um, we also were lucky enough because of our, our catalogue of services to have things like marketing within GBS as a, as a service offering to the organisation. So we leveraged off that and, and, and really um, did a lot of work around change and marketing our brand within GBS. And I think that builds confidence and helps build the brand within the organisation as well. So I'd, I'd really... So, you know, spend time on that to, to look impressive and organised to the organisation. That's, that's similar to if you're a BPO, you've got to market your brand that way. So do that internally. We invested heavily in people and, and people do amazing things. And, and of course, like this event, we invest heavily in networking to, to leverage knowledge and, and, and successes and also learnings from others. Um, I call that the, the compact impact or the compound impact, sorry, of people. And after all, actually, we are a people business still, right, within GBS, particularly now you take away the facilities during flexible working. So um, that's my two cents worth, actually. All right. Gavin, this has been a very insightful conversation. I'm hoping to visit Australia sometime this year because we're actually opening an office there. So maybe we'll meet in person. But thank you so much. It was a delight to have you on the GBS Masterminds today. 
Thanks, Ashley. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to join and thanks for inviting me along. You're bad. Bye-bye. That was the GBS Masterminds podcast. For more information, visit gbsmasterminds.com and make sure to search for GBS Masterminds in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at High Radius, thanks for listening.